welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for His church. It is our hope with the show that we will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are thankful and excited that you have decided to spend some time with us and pray that in some way you will be blessed by the conversation. I am joined with my co-host, as always my brother pastor and friend eric moran how are you today brother i'm doing mighty fine how about yourself i'm dude i'm I'm always good man i got my hot drink i got my cold drink you know i got ate some eggs with some hot sauce i'm like got the you know protein stuff i'm ready to go i'm hyped i i I think i sound like yes it's true everyone i am in a much better mood than eric is today which is not usual Eggs and hot sauce. It's the first time that I'm glad that I'm on site and I'm not there with you. (laughs) That is very true. You are, you are not in front of me at the time, but we will eventually get to a place where I'll get to see that uh, mug of yours as we go through and navigate these new episodes and the, the new format that we have to do. So we are excited to get back into this again. We took a little bit of a break. All kinds of good things happened while we were um, away. We got a we got a chance to take a little bit of a break. We got a chance to uh, further our vision for the ministry. And so there will be some <clears throat> announcements regarding that we'll, we'll, uh, we're excited to, uh, about. But um, uh, let's see. What, what else happened while we were gone? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I was ordained as a minister by... Uh, Eric, so that was cool, and uh, the church that we, or I, you know, currently attend, and that was that was pretty cool. It's been uh, been different, you know. Um, let's see. Um, you got anything before we get started? You want to tell anybody? Just a day to day walk, brother. <laughs> Ready to get into uh, the tension? Yeah, he doesn't. He's not much for shop talk, you know. He just wants he just wants to get us down to brass tacks. So today we're gonna be. Um, the tension is going to be on provision and presence, and God has had me in this spot for a while now. I got to, um, I was had afforded the opportunity by God to preach a sermon on Hebrews eleven and about what we have faith in God for, and inside of that, there was another sermon that I was preparing, um, uh, Matthew ten five through fifteen, where Jesus sends out the twelve. And I began to, the the tension formed there inside of the provision and presence. And I think what I want to draw attention to is in conversations with other people and asking as I began to have it revealed to me, I was asking, you know, what is the tension between provision and presence? And the most common response that I got was, I thought they go hand in hand. Now, the reason that I say there is a tension in them, and this is the tension that I see, so I'll kind of set the the format for this, and then you can comment on it. Um, what I have seen is that in the presence, specifically when Jesus is saying, telling the disciples to go out, to go, and to not take things for themselves, that the laborer is worth his wages, that's the provision there. But they're going in the presence with the peace because it talks about having the peace you know, come upon the house, and if they reject it, then have the peace come back to you. So there's the presence there. But now, when we go to when we go to Hebrews 11 and begin to talk about 
faith there, we see that provision and presence is there again. But the faith that they're talking about in the Hebrews 11 passage is about something that's eternal and that's beyond the the individual. It's the it's the eternal mission of God that we are all invited into, and it's it's not just so much about stuff and things and um, this material world as much as it is about presence and where we are going and where we are headed. So you agree with that premise, right, first? I, I do. Okay, so good. So since you agree with that, now, <clears throat> the, I believe that, that go chasing chasing that concept right there is a good thing for you, right? There's a good tension inside of that. I'm not I'm not 100% sure what the improper tension would be that could lead you in a wrong direction. So if you have any insight into that, I would love to kind of start here. What would be the danger, but what's also the, I guess, the warning and encouragement thing that we talk about a lot? Correct. And I'm a firm believer that the scripture always is warning and encouraging at the same time. Mm -hmm. And where people are saying that about presence and provision and that they go hand in hand, it's almost as though they're saying, if I have his presence, I know I'll have my provision. Mm -hmm. And if I have provision, then it's only because I have his presence. And we know that even though it breaks God's heart, many are headed to a eternal revelation that they never had a relationship with God, but they had plenty of provision because he reigns on the just and the unjust. Correct. So the, the things that we receive don't necessarily equal our assurance of his presence. And the opposite is true. See, so when you went to Hebrews 11 and you think about these being the hall of fame for faith, you got Abraham, he was told to leave everything that was comfortable and go in the desert and think that he's going to get killed for his wife because she's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, you got Isaac, which Abraham was going to kill. Mm-hmm. You have Esau and Jacob, two brothers that fought tooth and nail over getting it their way. Now, these were all inside of the presence of God, but the provision's a little different. It's like they really didn't have a Lexus in a, in a downtown apartment. They all Moses— um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, the disciples, they all died for their faith. Now they had the presence of God and they, and they knew who and what he was up to and doing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they ate ramen and sometimes they ate steak. And that gets back to the Philippians passage of scripture that we might get to at the end. But at the, at the end of the day, you can have his presence with no provision because He's there with you as you're going through this hard time. Okay. You could have beautiful times and that be what costs you the presence of God because your eyes are on all the good things that are happening to you and you're taking all the credit. And anybody listening to me that's trying to be honest, they know that feeling. It's way easier to talk to God when things are down, i.e. no provision, than it is when you have plenty of provision. Right. So when, when when you pose the question, it's almost like people forget that the hard times are, are part of what God uses to raise his children up out of complacency, out mm-hmm. of comfort, out of um, later on, we'll talk about the table being prepared before you. But there's there's this life that is being set in front of you. But the only thing that really matters is your relationship with the eternal God at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So whether you're being distracted from it or you're being pulled into it. 
is is the real question that we have to learn how to ask ourselves whether we're up on the mountaintop or where we're down in the valley when we talk about those things the wrath of god and over in romans one you were just talking about how would this tension play out over mm-hmm. in romans one and it talks about the righteous shall live by faith well that means good or bad i have to have faith that god is the god that gives and the god that takes away right he is the god that knows all things and that i know that i don't know anything apart from him right in, in his word, he says, you can do nothing apart from me, so I can fall in love with that. But it didn't mean that you don't have anything to do. Right. Because now that you know this, I'm going to send you to do the things that you get to do inside of this right relationship, which is in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately in Romans 1, 18 through, we'll just say 19, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Why? Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of mankind, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Mm. So what God, what, what could be known about God is made plain to them because God has shown it to them. You wake up every day and you can take waking up for granted or you could wake up with uh, COPD coughing and hoping that you make it another day. But right. ultimately, it's the same day. It's another 24 hour day. Right. The one struggling is probably the one praying. Yes. Um, The one that's so healthy and young wakes up and he thinks the day is all his and he could care less about other people and let's go make it happen. It's it's our make, what is it, your best life now type title. But the wrath of God is going to stand against the proud. The wrath of God is going to stand against that youth that's not giving the credit to him. Right. And the grace of God is available for the guy with COPD the same way it's available for the young man, but it's not where his natural head and heart would lead him. Right. So th- I, I have an interesting thought here that while we're here to see if this, does this um, kind of hit, hit on what you're talking about in second Corinthians um, 13, where it says that we can do nothing. I'm trying to figure where is it? Uh, we can do nothing against the truth. Um, you can only do something for the truth. Correct, correct. That's what I was kind of getting right. at. Is, you, is that where you're sort right. of hitting on it right there? That like whether you are doing it for the right reasons or doing it for the wrong reasons, all you are doing is testifying to the truth claim that God has given to us in his revealed word, right? Because God is God and the truth is truth. Your relationship to it is what you're revealing. Ah. So if you wake up and you're young and strong and you don't really need God's presence, right. you still love the provisions. Yeah. I mean, you're young and strong and you're going to go enjoy this day and you're going to take his sunshine. You're going to take his food and you're going to take advantage of other people. And you're going to do because it's all about you in that moment. Right. You take the guy with the COPD that doesn't know if he's going to make it until Saturday and he's pleading to God to give him another day, mm-hmm. but it's only through his hardships. So how is God going to wake up the young man? He's going to have to allow him to go through hard times. Mm-hmm. How is God going to be the God of grace and compassion to the one that's struggling? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a peace beyond understanding because of the presence of God and the provision doesn't matter anymore. What does it matter? It's, I'm going in the ground soon. Right. I, I don't need the provisions. My provision is his presence. Now, can they go hand in hand? Absolutely, because that's the, the grace of God. Right. But his presence has to be the most beautiful provision. Ah, there, that's good right there. Hold on. The, the say, wrath say of that, God is revealed. Again. The greatest provision is his presence. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, now continue. Sorry. And, 
when that takes place, he said, listen, we have the ability to suppress the truth of who God is by our what imagination, really. Ah. It's our own lives. So we suppress the truth like we suppress carbonation in a Coca-Cola. If I well, I'll even use Dr. Pepper just because I and I'll even I'll even use one better than that trilogy, which is a uh, uh, kombucha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only reason I use that one is it's volatile if you keep the cap on it and you stir it. Now, my work son, Tankersley, the first time I send him into the store to get it to me and get it for me, he walks to the truck, and as he takes it out of the bag, he shakes it like six times and hands it to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, no. So two hours later when I got to enjoy the drink, it was delicious, number one. But number two, it was the carbonation is suppressed in that liquid, and if I would have released the pressure, it would have done what? Uh, exploded. And it would have exploded over me and the truck, and it didn't matter where it went. It was going somewhere else. <laughs> that scripture just told us that we have the ability by our ungodliness, in other words, un to let God out and make myself the God of my own life. Right. I can live in that unright relationship or I can allow godliness to be given to me by the grace of God through the work of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel and then enter into the door of a right relationship, which means it does matter what I say and what I do. And it does matter that he matters more than anything else. And as those two start to line up, I no longer have this thing that I have to pretend like I don't, that I have to keep shoving down and shoving down. But how many of us know there's something inside of us that'll boil out if we don't, if we're not careful. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that's our ungodliness and our righteousness, even in right relationship. Mm. Even once you believe in the gospel, even once you understand that God is changing you, we still have these areas of suppressed truth that we've got to we've got to allow it to come out. And hopefully, through the presence of God and the presence of other believers, hopefully through your hard times and finding that your hard times are actually part of the provision, He allowed the hard time to happen to you as a child that from a father that loves you, not a God that can't wait to send you to hell with lightning bolts and Zeus. Right. Well, so I think it's, so it's interesting the way that you, the way that you said that right there. And I'm, the thought that comes to mind is, is that, is that sort of like a little insight into the, that's why we're proud to be weak because then God is made strong because it's not, we're rejecting the very notion of even getting close to ungodliness, which would be to, not look unto the the parameters and the compass that God has given us inside of our heart, according to Ezekiel 36. And then in that way, when we refuse to do that, then we are not, we are severed from a, uh, from a right relationship. And by that, uh, that the, the, un, the relationship that's improper, we suppress the truth that we do desperately have to cling on to God and continue to look unto his commandments to find, to be able to navigate uh, the life and live inside of right relationship. I'm pretty sure that you've, you've heard me say this enough to where you'll, you'd be able to finish it if I just started it, but 40 miles in, mm-hmm. 40 miles out. Yeah. And we were severed from this relationship according to the word of God at the beginning of the Bible, you know, like Genesis two. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now when, well, Genesis three is when it happens, but Genesis one and two is where things were correct. Perfect in right relationship, godliness and righteousness were readily available because of who he is and what he created us to have. Correct. Yes. Genesis three until God comes back and makes all things right. Right. 
is the story of restoration through daily repentance. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. All right, but if it's 40 miles in and he's taking care of the original separation through the last Adam, right? and that, that just means Jesus Christ right. is now taking care of that separation, right. you still have to enter the door and you still have to apply it to your heart and your mind, and you got mm. the rest of your life to do that. You get to do that, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be pretty. And what, what I am saying is this, the young man that wakes up strong and ready for the day yeah. and the man that wakes up with COPD and he's 85 years old and he's hoping to make it to Saturday because the doctor said he might not and his family flying to see him. Right. Both are weak. Yes, yeah, Neither one of them is stronger than the other. Right. The young man would say, I have no evidence of that. There's no way that I'm as weak as that old man. And God's saying, nope, you're just as dead as he is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Been there because before. 100 years is the blink of an eye. Oh, yeah, 100%. One day is 1,000 years. Yes. How many days are we going to live? No. Not one. <laughs> we're not making it to 1,000. No, we are not. <laughs> So the young man is really more deceived and further away because of what he would consider provisions. Uh, and the presence of God only becomes important when we realize it's a, it's a lesson. It's, a, it's, we are spiritual beings living out a physical revelation. And once you understand the story is you get to be part of the story, then you get to be the mediator between heaven and earth unto all those that you love and, and including yourself it's it's a bigger story. It's just a bigger story. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't figure that out when you're 20 years old and young and him send you on the mission field and you do amazing things for God. That's right. available and your strength does matter. You know, it does matter that you have the gifts that you have, right. but it does not make you any less weak. We can do nothing apart from him, right. whether you're the most powerful person in the world or the most weak person in the world. The truth is still the truth. And that's the beauty of falling in love with God when you were just talking about you can't do anything against the truth. What are you going to do change god no <laughs> yeah but you could be for him you could be part of him you get to be part of his story now that is the best invitation you'll ever have on this planet What's because it? it's eternal you're being invited into something that lasts forever yeah that's what i was that's what i was gonna that's what i was gonna say but that's also and i i appreciate that that you brought it back there because that's where i'm gonna i'm gonna drive back to hebrews again to where I saw that the like you like you had said earlier, and it was really good that his provision or his presence is the is the is the best provision basically. So, and I really like that. But that's also kind of the point of Hebrews eleven, where it talks about because you you start to see all of these these lists of people, and what's the thing that they all have in common is, is they all walked with God. You know, they all were walking or in some relationship with God where they were looking unto something that was bigger than themselves and it wasn't just this like Abraham and and, and for instance he was told these things by God and they were true they did come to pass however Ab- however Abraham never saw those things come to pass he never he never was granted the shade underneath the tree that his grandchildren would find themselves in but he labored which is for verse 13 yeah which which he which he labored but he labored for it though and he worked for it but but that's kind of the the point is, is that the reason that you're doing that is to instill these things to show God's faithfulness that even while we are gone, he is still ministering to the people that come out, to the generations that come after us, that we're still a part of the mission. That, and then this is the why Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's story or David's story matters or Rahab's story matters, but then also why your story and my story and Hannah's story and 
you know, Don's story, all of all of that matters now because we're a part of something bigger than ourselves that can only be only be accomplished in the presence of God as he continues to make provision for us, not only here, but also into eternity. Amen. And and we've all been invited as Mick, Hannah, Dawn, Eric, individuals into the family, the meta narrative of scripture to where by faith, Abel's offering to God was better than Cain's. Right. Because Abel offered it to God, for God, by God, through God. Yeah, John and one. Cain then turns around and gets depressed and angry. And Yahweh, our father, looks at Cain and says, but if you would do right, wouldn't I bless you? If you would make it about me and not about you, mm. you wouldn't have all this anger. You wouldn't have all this depression. You wouldn't have these things. But these things are being allowed to happen so that you could come to me, so that you could re- you could repent. And repent is not you have to go down in front of everybody. And repent is to return to something and someone that's been lost to the original design. Right. And inside of those stories, I mean, you got Abraham. You could be the father of a brand new lineage in your generations mm-hmm. to your children right now if you fall in love with the gospel. That's powerful. That's very powerful. You could become Isaac that has been sacrificed because of your earthly father and your heavenly father to then live as a brand new creation. You you can be Moses that understands the law as something beautiful and fall underneath leading others into a beautiful relationship with the law. You have the ability to be Christ-like, to be able to be a mediator, whether that's at work or whether that's in your marriage or whether that's wherever you go, you could be connected to this story and we all are living a story. The question is, is your story part of small part of the whole story of God? Right. And so and it's all an invitation and it's all a warning and an encouragement. Okay. So to recap really fast that the go ahead and hit, hit the listener with it one more time. Cause we talked a lot there for, for a minute. So the improper, well, Abraham, the improper way to oh. the improper way to look at provision and presence would be. If you to could, believe that you're, Provision is showing you his presence because sometimes you'll have his presence without earthly provisions. Okay, and then the way that we should be looking at it as we move forward in this conversation, so the way that we're going to discuss it from here on is in this perspective, which would be? The greatest provision is his presence. Okay, so now. So, so in, in Hebrews eleven thirteen it says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, okay. but having seen them and granted them from afar, and having a, acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. This is not our home. This is not what matters. Yep. In the future, mm-hmm. the only thing that really matters is God's story is the true story. Mm-hmm. And that that's the one we found our life in. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think it's 16. 16, it, it narrows it down. It even you know, points you in a clearer direction. It says, but as, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So it, they're literally hoping for the thing. They're longing for the thing that they were created for since the very beginning. But because of the separation, but when the separation is... is is done away with and we can be in the presence of God and he 
his presence is the ultimate source of provision. We long to be reunited with him in that fullness. But we know that while we are here, we're still going to be separated because we are still in our inside of our flesh. And that according to Romans 7, there's nothing good that dwells within our flesh other than the spirit of God. And that's his presence. Correct. So that's the only good is his presence. Yes. A hundred, a hundred percent. So, and then because the removal, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go, go. Because the, the removal of provision could be his provision. Right. So I, in other words, if, if you're loving something too much, God's going to have to remove it. Well, correct. So you're going to make an idol out of it. And so in love, God has to let those things fail. And then we're like, oh, how could a loving God let these things happen? <laughs> it's, well, because the story's about God. And I mean, don't, hey, that's, I don't think there's a believer that has not thought that. No, amen. amen. I mean, you're, you're I did right, all this, right. and this is how I get repaid. But then there's the truth and the love of God that reminds you, son, I never promised you that. Right. Well, then I would drive back to Romans 1 again with that, with God mm-hmm. being just in the justifier. So basically what he's saying is, is like the concept within itself that, well, that's not fair because I've done X, Y, Z. How come it didn't work out in the way that I think it should work out is that I deserve something. But really, in in, in fairness, if apart from God's grace and his mercy, the only thing that you deserve is to be separated from him and go to hell because then you are trusting in yourself more than you're trusting in what we've been invited into, which is his his you know Christ's rest and his accomplished uh, uh, completed work, right? Yes, but when you think of Abel and Cain, right? And you say, okay, Abel was pleasing to God and he loved his offering, and then you got Cain over here that gives a sacrifice that wasn't honored. Yeah. So then he has he goes into a depressed anger, and God literally says, "If you, you would depressed? do right, <laughs> yeah. right? Why are you depressed? Why is your face falling? And why are you angry? If you were to do right, wouldn't I bless you?" Right. So let's just say Cain took that and said, "Fine, I'm going to get over my depression, and I'm not going to be angry." Yeah. But that's as far as he went with it. Right. That's still not going to make him honored. To God, that wasn't the sacrifice God wanted. God didn't want you to give him things, provisions in a different way. He wanted you to fall in love with his presence. Right. And you could knuckle up and be like, I'm going to be a great Christian. I'm going to tithe and I'm going to go to church every week. And I'm going to, and, and, and if you're not doing it because you get to, you're doing it because you have to, you end up with an entitled spirit. And I'm not saying you meant to, I'm saying that's what will naturally happen over time mm-hmm. is your, your sacrifice was what I did and I did it. So isn't he going to bless me? And God's like, the blessing would have been my, my presence. Right. You're still doing it all alone. Right. You're still doing it begrudgingly. You're still doing it like you got this heavy burden on you instead of I gave you this day. Right. I, I led you. I, I, I've, I've given you every breath and every hair and every minute. And you're sitting here trying to earn it to give it back to me. And you're mad because I won't take it that way. Yeah. Instead of, instead of walking in it as with, with being thankful that God has allowed you to be a part of his mission. Like that's the heart you should be. It's a grateful heart. I get to do instead of I ought or I have to do in order to maintain the presence of God. And he's like, no, the weak, the weakness part is, is that you realize that that's the, that's the few, 
the futility of trying to do it that way. You're trying to do it in your own strength. So be weak. Lean on me. Press into me. Um, seek my face and all these other and all this other all the other things will be added unto you right so seek first the kingdom of god and i think that's where we get back into that that this is about the things that he has accomplished for the purposes that he has put forth um I'm still going back to John 1 again, you know, where it says that all things were created through him, they were for Christ, and they were created by him and for him and all those things. So with that statement right there, anything else that you are trying to tear down to lift yourself up in, you are, you're, you're losing your identity and you're sacrificing the presence of God for provision because you think that you deserve it again. That's where we're talking about the entitled spirit, which I think a lot of people fall into. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I've never fallen into that because it's so easy to fall into it. But at the end of the day, if you build up another idol, God is going to have to crush it and bring you back down to a broken and contrite heart the same way that he, that he finds us, whether we come broken or whether we are knocked off of our horse like Paul was and blinded and, Put into a put into a place where we have to depend on on Christ. He's going to put us into that position because there's no other way for Him to be exalted unless you are down, right? Yes. Couple things. Okay. Number one, I know that you've heard it preached that Paul was knocked off of a horse, but it's not in the Bible. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, Number number two, no, I mean it says he fell to the ground. Yeah. But I've had so many people add that, and I just thought that was funny. That that's Bible trivia. That's all that is. That that, that has nothing to do with the point. Your point is beautiful. Yes. But just as Bible trivia, that that's not in there. However, when no no no, no, I'm not. No, I was I was Bible trivia. That's all it was. It wasn't a critique or anything else. But what I am, what I do want to make sure that I I don't forget to to to, to drive back to is. Over over in Matthew seven is it six where he's talking about uh, the good child that asked from his father and I wouldn't give him a serpent if he asked for a fish. Yeah. Uh, seven 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 through eleven. All right, literally it says, "Ask and it'll be given to you; seek and you'll find; knock mm-hmm. and it'll be open." So mm-hmm. once again, that's that three but yet one. Everyone who asks will receive, and the one who seeks will find, and the one who knocks it will be open. Here's the the part that I was. Connecting to what you just said, uh-huh. or which of you, if he has a son, asks him for bread, would give him stone, a stone? Right. Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a serpent? So in other words, he's asking for something good, and you're giving him something that's either dangerous or unfulfilling. Right. Verse 11, if you then, who are evil, okay, so we're evil, right. know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? But the question is what? Are you a good child? Because what makes a good child? A good child is one that is functioning for the purpose for which he was created. What is a child created to do other than carry his father's name and make his household known and strong as he is going? That, yeah, well, I mean, I, right now, that, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I mean, inside of Scripture, that is, especially in their culture, you were the family. You were not an individual, but what made you a good individual is who you were in the family. I'm not saying that they don't both exist and there's a great tension there. Right. But when you look at that and you say, listen to it again, he says, the one that asks his father, Mm -hmm. the one who asks his father, Mm -hmm. and it says, but your father is going to be the one that gives the good gift. Now, I want you to play this out. Mick is now my son. Oh, wow. Wow. All right, all right. So we have some fun. It's, 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 uh, it, it, it's Christmas. Okay. <laughs> all right. 
You, you heard my struggle with that, but it's Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And Mick, Mick comes in, and I have not only did I buy a, a Huffy bike, oh. but I had to assemble it. Oh, Remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, like like. So if you got kids listening, I'm sorry, but I had to assemble the Huffy bike. Uh-huh. But now Mick wakes up in the morning and he runs out. Now Mick has wanted a bike. Oh yeah. Mick runs into the the the, the living room and he looks at me and goes, "This ain't the bike I wanted." <laughs> I wanted a whatever kind of bike. Yeah, yeah. A mongoose. That was the big one when I was little. I wanted a mongoose. This is a Huffy. All right. That's not a child that's asking me. That's a child that's telling me. Right. Now, if I gave you a good gift as a father and you turn and tell me how it's not good enough, or you tell me what else needs to be added to it, or you tell me what I should be doing, how many of us have that relationship with God? Mm. In other words, God's giving you the gift of your life, and all you want to tell him is how it's not right. Mm. That's good. He's given you all these things, and then what do you? What do we? Not you. What do we do with it? It's really the question because I could turn around and ask, "Can I get another bike next year?" (laughs) Yeah, and still love the bike that I have. Right. But as soon as I'm, as soon as I disrespect my father's love and ability by telling him it's not good enough. How many times do we find ourselves in our faith, if we'll all be honest, where you're like, God, I, I don't even understand how you could do this to me. Right. I, I, I but if we would slow down and ask God what he's trying to show us, I promise you that there's something there in love. Right. Well, you have to, and, and not chasing the rabbit or anything, but that's where, once again, that's going to drive back to your view of God. If he's a loving, If he's a loving father who is trying to build you and not trying to break you, then it's important for you to pay attention to the wisdom that he is trying to impart to you. So it's not... It's not so much about the things that are surrounding you as much as it is is about the lesson he is trying to teach you as you connecting back to being a part of the family. Go forward and bear his name well and continue to pass on that wisdom to the children that you will that that you are given by, you know, as a gift from God to continue um, training them up in righteousness for them to move forward into bearing his name well. In that list of heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, okay, which which one of them do you think would be like, yeah, and it was a great life. I love the whole thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think. Uh... I'm pretty sure every one of those examples were very, very hard-lived lives. Yes. Yeah. Any 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 story you've got worth listening to forty years later that you like to tell is usually the ones that you like. And then it started raining when it broke down, and it froze, and I didn't know if I would live. But right. the hardship, and then getting through the hardship to where you can look back to the hardship from another place, a better place, a lifted place, is what makes the story beautiful. Right. But if everything was great, what are you going to compare it with? Everything's great then. Everything's great now. Everything's great always. That that's not even a story that nobody even wants to hear it right i mean there's no because it's not a true story right because i think the i think what we all gravitate towards is this overcoming the trials and tribulations for yeah. us, for what we're created for that's, yeah. that's the story because it, it boils down to it's something worth suffering for that's bigger than yourself right i mean that's kind of the core concept or, 
or you're going to suffer the same way without having a purpose or a reason. Yeah, then that's kind but of. But you're going to suffer either way. Yeah, that, I mean, that's yeah. what I was getting at. At least, it, at least it makes mm-hmm. sense, and it's something that gives I don't know this really cool concept of hope. It gives it gives hope to those that are around you because everyone else is fighting. You know, we're all fighting different battles, but we're also fighting similar battles. But the problem is, is that instead of us using it, a lot of the times we turn it into a crutch as a. God, why don't you do X, Y, and Z instead of using it as a springboard to launch us into help me, I believe, help me with my unbelief, help me with my, how increase my trust, you know, and in, 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 in help me become better than I was yesterday, you know, in, inside of my situation. We forget we were born in America and that's a huffy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wanted a mongoose. Yeah. I, mean, I, I wanted to be something that I'm not. And right. it's like, okay, but that really, like you just said, is just revealing your relationship with the God that's giving you more than you deserve already. Right. And not that you're not going to want more than you deserve because that's the, that's the sin of every one of our hearts. Right. But we can do something with it in right relationship. We can literally allow that to become less and less inside of us. And one day it'll be gone. Right. But I think, but I think that it drives back to the the warning inside of, don't fall in love with the provisions when you should be falling deeper in love with the presence. And don't think they go hand in hand that if I'm, if I'm loved, I have to be provided for because a lot of times mm. your provision is going to be the hard things. Yeah. Because I mean, that's what gives you the good story. Well, yeah. And I would say the ultimate provision is to be in, um, unhindered constant communion eternally with God. That is the ultimate provision. <laughs> that is like, that's what which, the which, ultimate... which is Philippians 13. Huh? Which is your Philippians 4.13. Do you want to go there now? And that's the verse that you had mentioned at the end. I mean, that's the summary of what you just said, though. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what Paul is presenting. Right, cause that's, that, and, that's what I'm, and I think that's where, that's where, like, that's the left hook, like we talked about before. That would be my left hook, because even Paul being knocked off of his figurative horse, his high horse, because he was so confident in who he was, where he came from, the things he has, the things he had done, that when Christ dropped him to his knees and blinded him, he realized then in that moment, it's sort of like everything will be revealed to you as soon as you are freed from the flesh. You know, as soon as you are freed from the flesh, all the answers will come into you because you were so blinded by them. But now as you go into be into the eternal perfect presence with God, you the, it, it makes me think of the passage of scripture that says, I understand in part now, but one day I will understand in whole. So it's like all these things will kind of come to us because currently in a sense, as the war with the flesh and the spirit, it sometimes can blind us because we are, we're not focusing on the things that God wants us to see, wants us to focus on, wants us to mature in and wants us to walk in, walk in and, and look unto. And that is where the provision and presence can, can lead to, it can lead to death instead of leading into life. And the presence of the thing about it is, is God is, you know, God is life. You know, I mean, so life, life begets life. So walking in that and looking unto that, you will find your life instead of losing your life for the sake of materialism and you being the arbiter of all things good and understanding. So do you remember when, Jesus had come in after the triumphal entry. Mm-hmm. He had been asked multiple times. He says, it's not my hour. It's not my hour. Right. I mean, even all the way back to water to wine, and which yep. is, the, okay, it's the whole thing. It's not my hour. Some Greeks come to him, and Philip has to come and ask him, 
hey, there's these Greeks that want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Do you remember where that's at in Scripture? Oh. Okay, John 12. And at the end of the day, they come and Jesus says, I now know it's my hour because Greeks, non-Jews, were coming to him for hope. And this is what he says, red letters. The hour has come. This is John 12, 23. Then Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Mm -hmm. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. You just used a beautiful analogy of Paul and the fact that we're born dead, spiritually separated from God, and he had to have seen light to be able to see anything at all. Mm -hmm. But do you remember how he was physically when this revelation was over? Yeah, he's blind. He was physically blind with scales over his eyes (laughs) is the way the scripture says. (laughs) Yeah. So that doesn't seem pleasant. No, not at all. Um, and and it, seems, it seems like I'd be pretty scared if not only am I now marked blind, but I can feel scales on my eyes, but it was worth it. Right. Because he saw the truth of who God was. Now, maybe Paul got 40 years of our lessons in one afternoon. Mm. But is it any different for me and you? I mean, you're not going to like seeing what's wrong with you. You're not going to like seeing what you have to do next. And once you learn what to do next, you're going to have to learn what they have to do next, 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 next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, I mean, the different layers of the onion, it's it's more blindness being removed with sight. It's more darkness being met with light. But he never said that it'll ever be an easy process, but it'll be worth it. Right. When I, and I think and you you are right um about learning about the things about your failures and stuff like that. Like I'm struggling with that right now and God is trying is uh, gently trying to show me that and for me to enter into that conversation and I I will confess my hesitance and uh it's more comfortable rebellion. Be, yeah, rebellion. I mean it's it's more it's com- it's more comfortable to look at it and go I don't want to do that though. Um, That's right, but it, but I I I don't want to I don't want to jump to Psalm twenty three, but I do think it's interesting because the very fact of the you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Well, what are your enemies going to do? They're going to accuse you of things, and they're going to try to not paint you in the best light. But if you go with Ooh, only but, your religious ones, uh, say what? Only your religious ones. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, but no, no. When we get to that part, I mean, it's beautiful. What would the enemies? What in First Corinthians, where he talks about sitting at the table of demons, and he's warning them not to do it? It's because they were rich and they had everything. Right. The the, the God of this age can give you your provision. Right. And well, that could be a brand new car, and that could be your great job, yeah. and that could be your great clothes, and that yep. could be your great health. And so they can puff you up just as well as they can persecute you. The only person that's ever persecuted me is a professing believer. Mm. I've never had an unbeliever be like, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. I've never. I, I, in, in my experience, I'm not saying they're not out there. What I'm saying is I've never read, read – the only person I've ever been persecuted by is somebody that has a version of God that they're unwilling to hear a conversation with someone else about. Right, which I, which I think kind of points out the the flaw, though, inside of um, the flaw and then inside of, because if presence were the true thing that you were seeking after, you would be able to go into any conversation, whether it be with your enemies or whether it be with a, a friend. You, you would be able to go into that conversation because you have 
the presence is what you are after. So you're not afraid to go anywhere. You're not like Abraham. You're not afraid to leave where you have lived forever because the God of the universe has said to go. And you realize that it would, it's, it's, it's more beneficial for you to go and to do the thing that you were created for than it is for you to die and lie and suppress the truth in it in, un, in unrighteousness. And I'll even go this far. That's not evidence that that person that's persecuting me that's a professing believer is not a believer because they could be and they could be very young in their faith and right. they're they're learning they're 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 ignorant and that that's not stupid that means they don't know right because i don't think you can grow without going through that stage because i can remember getting emotionally upset and and ripped out of the frame because you weren't able to understand what i was saying yes. and said things that I, later on i learned i could say in a totally different way and i'm not saying that the anger can't boil up in me and separate me from a conversation today, what I am saying is the presence is what starts to allow you to calm down because the conversation isn't, isn't going to be able to steal your presence. You know, it's, it's not going to be able to take God's presence away from you, whether or not that other person understands. Right. Yeah, it shouldn't though. I think that's the, that's the kind of the, it shouldn't. yeah, it shouldn't, but I think, however, it, yeah. If that's how you always communicate, you need to check yourself at the door because <laughs> the presence of God is standing at the door watching. That's in the scripture. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then that, that gets in, that gets into the the very thought that right, I, I've been kind of kicking it around the old think tank there for a minute. But a lot of people continue to operate as if God does not know exactly where they are. And they begin to get frustrated because they're not actually diving into what's wrong and what God is trying to show them. Instead, they're trying to sidestep it and say, God, why won't you just do something instead? But when God's really going, no, I, I am doing something. I'm asking you to deal with what you continue to pick up that separates me from you because you're doing that. I'm not doing that. I've done everything that I have to do to be able to have a relationship with you. You know, my son came and sacrificed himself, you know, a perfect being who knew no who knew no wrong and who had just loved people where they were. And yet we we then just project our insecurities unto God when instead God's like, sit down and let's talk about it. Let's go into this. I'm not here to crush you. I'm here to build you. But the problem is, is like people want to be used by God, but they don't want to deal with the things they have in their life when really God wants you to go through those situations. So then you can go bearing his name and minister unto those who are separated and you have something to say because you can tell them of the trial. You can testify of the trials and tribulations and how God has helped you overcome those things in spite of them being in your way. It didn't matter because you were walking with God and you were fearing no evil. You know, back to the Psalm 23 again, we're getting closer and closer into entering that part of the conversation. That's why I'm trying to push towards it a little bit. But would you agree with what I was laying out there? I, I would. And I'll, I'll tell you some things that I've learned, or you can use me as the weak example. But then I'll, I'll be the weak example. It's what, like what, what I do here. What is beautiful to see him teach me along the way. Uh, how great is our God? Louis Giglio, the, the, the video that's got, you know, the science in it and everything else. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he, he talks about once in science, he gets kind of confronted with how huge these planets are. And he's like, and that changed my prayer life right there. You know, I went from telling God what he should do and what I thought about this or that. And I just kind of sat in front of him. If he's that great of a God, mm. I don't think God needs you to explain what's going on to him. 
<laughs> yeah, he knows what we right. he knows what we need before we ask for it. So you know, it's it, it's a simple you know presentation from another pastor, or you just quoted scripture that you run into it again and again. But at some point, you have to realize if you're going to go to God, you need to listen, not talk. Mm. Not not as much anyway. I mean, of course, he loves to hear from us. But if you think you're going to explain things to God, just think about that before you say it. You know, the other day I was telling God what he needed to do. Right? You would never say that. Right. But how many of our prayers are telling God what he should do? Yeah. And then if if, if we think about it that way, then it just asks whether we're going to be honest. In other words, okay, so if that's true and you know that that's silliness, mm-hmm. okay, God, I need you I need you to tell me what to do with where you have me right now because nothing happens without you allowing it. Right. Well, well, and I think that that's kind of the point where God, God always drives us. I should say it this way. God has driven me back to that place a lot where it's like, well, I did this and this and this and this and then, you know, and, and it didn't work out, work out so hot. What am I supposed to do? How? Where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to do it? And I and that's where I I believe you're dead on, dead on with. We need to listen more than we talk. And that's where when I say we become entitled because hey we 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 lift up our face in our own power or we start reading more of the Bible or we start getting up for two hours to pray or we whatever we do, if we do it to then turn around and tell God, see, but I've been doing these things. Where's my blessings? Where's my provision? Yeah. <laughs> And don't act like every believer doesn't do that in some form or fashion because we all do. And trust me, he's God and he smiles at it. It doesn't it, it doesn't scare him or but but we're supposed to grow up out of it. Right. When when you continue to talk about what we're talking about, we're continuing to drive to Psalms twenty three. In the first three verses, we're gonna look at the fact that he is the provider and he does all this provision because he's God. Right. But you got to be real careful because he provides for the just and the unjust. Oh, yes, he does. And then four gives us this, and here's what my children will experience. And then five and six, we're going we're gonna to talk our way through because then every one of us has to do something with application, and that's what we have in the other two verses. Right. But ultimately, we're all going to do it wrong. Mm-hmm. And he's going to teach us through relationship how to do it right. Right. The question is, will we keep getting up and getting on the horse? Mm. But will we keep getting up and trusting him that, okay, this didn't take him by surprise. It took me by surprise, but that's not surprising because he's God and I'm not. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, think about it. If you think about mentally spurring with your sparring with your three-year-old, mm-hmm. you're supposed to win supposed to you're supposed to win mm-hmm. the, the question is as a good parent you would be trying to win to where they're learning right and a god is a good god and he wants us to be better tomorrow than we are today the lesson is inside of what would make us better right if we turn away from that it doesn't change the truth it just changes our application yeah and you're going to make a lap around the block and you're going to run right back into him <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean, come on. That's most of our. That's most of our Christian life. And I'm talking about believers at this point. I mean, oh, an yeah. unbeliever isn't even in this relationship. But he he loves you too much to not allow you to fall in love with the next layer. 
Oh well, yeah, because I mean, he didn't call like when when we are saved. Yes, we come as we are, but that does not mean that we stay the way that we are. You can't. Correct. I mean, I, and I think that's that's the other that's the other part I I trying to challenge, you know, my students with. God did not did not save you for you to be stagnant. God saved you for you to grow and to be better and to learn to trust Him more. And the only way that you're going to do that is by failing. Any one of those words, justification would be the one that would be the hardest to do. Yeah. But if it's justification, sanctification, salvation, mm-hmm. God is a communal God, and he's a God of past, present, future being one time. You are saved, but you're saved from where you were, and you're saved into where you're going. Right. And you can't separate any of those. You know, there's supposed to be this movement, this this life. Right, right, right. Movement is life. Right, right. And if you're, just, if, if you're like, well, when I was eight, I was saved. They ain't done anything else. But, um, you know, that one time on that Sunday morning, it's like I, there should be more to the story than that. Well, yeah, so I want to I touch on this really fast. And so, But the, the way that, that that word is used, the saved there, is the perfect, is the perfect tense of it. So it, it basically reads like you are saved, you are being saved, you and, saved. You, and you will yep. be saved. So it's like yeah, it's, right. it's completion. But we lose that in the English translation because yes. we don't have anything that works that way. But, yes, you're absolutely right. Yes. I just wanted to point that out as you move forward with what you were saying. No, it's beautiful. It's just more evidence of that's that's what God wants us to understand, which is you were sanctified, and that's all in his work. Yes. So praise God for that. Amen. But you are being sanctified through that sanctification as you are going. Amen. So why has God told you to, as you're going, go do these things? It's because that's where you're going to run into the new questions. That's where you're going to run into the new life. That's where you're going to run into the new assurance. That's where you're going to run into the new people. That's where you're going to make impact. That's where you're going to continue to grow. And it's like, nah, I think I'll just go to church on Sunday. (laughs) And wait for him to come back one day. Yeah, he still got it, folks. He still got it. Go ahead. No, uh, apparently I'm getting in trouble. Anyway, Psalms 23 is coming up, guys. <laughs> all right, hold on one one second. All right, all right. So let's go ahead with um, let's go ahead and get into Psalm 23 because you've told me like all week that this is you, this, you've this, this is your anchor. This is where you've where you've kind of been where you've also been a little scatterbrained, but that's not important. So let's get into Psalm 23. What do you got for us, brother? Right. So when we look at Psalm 23, I've got a lot of connection to this just through ministry, um, whether it be funerals. Mm-hmm. Well, mostly it's funerals. People love this passage of scripture for funerals the same way they love First Corinthians 13 for weddings. <laughs> yes. Um, but if you go and you study First Corinthians 13, it has nothing to do with the wedding and it has to do with people that see things differently and yeah. bringing them together inside their differences. Yeah, correct? It's a, it's Which a, yes, it's a rebuke. Would, and it would lead to marriage then because you got two hard-headed sinners that are now coming into covenant relationship. And it, there is a good application, but that's not the one they want. They want the love never ends, and yes. they want God's definition of who he is. Oh, Either yes. way, yeah. when, when we get to Psalms 23, we have that same kind of situation. But in this podcast of provision and presence, mm-hmm. I think the first four verses really lay out a great opportunity for conversation in five and six. Okay. Um, because of how many times I've broken it down and applied it to my own heart and then like sharing with people as they were grieving. Right. I'm going to read one through three. Okay. And I want to make this all about God as our provider. Okay. 
then that means all provision comes from, from the hand of God, but that does not mean provision can't be used to tempt you the same way it can be used to bless you. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. But now God blesses and God tempts no one and all of it's meant as a blessing from God, but that's not the world that, I mean, anyway, you understand what I'm saying there? I do. All right. And in verse four, we're going to look at the presence of God. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about putting those two together inside of five and six together. So here's one through three. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness or in the right paths for his name's sake. Now, as far as provision. Amen. Um, let's talk about this being about God, not about me, because it says the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord makes me, the Lord leads me, the Lord restores me, the Lord leads me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing all this. Right, right, right. Now, now, whether or not I'll give him the credit or whether or not I'll thank him for who he is, that's the, the, the rub. That's where the rubber meets the road as far as what those provisions were meant for from God to me was to fall in love with the fact that, he is the one that's leading me home. He is the one that's allowing me to lie down inside of something that's settled the green pastures. He's the one that's leading me through the spiritual chaos that's in my heart. He's the one that's restoring my soul if I would just allow him to do more and more of it and take part of things that would allow that to take place in a greater degree. He's the one that's leading me in these paths of the right way. Why? Because it's all going to be for his name's sake. Because if that's true, all I'm going to do is sing and praise his name because I'm unworthy and it's a God of grace. Right. Okay. But what I do get inside of those three verses, I shall not want because he shows me how worthless all the other things are. Right. Well, you said, so I wanted to, I wanted to give the listeners this because you told me this and I was like, man, that's a cool little English lesson from somebody who's not like who even says he's like self proclaims that he's not good at English. But so like the Lord is my shepherd and then there's a semicolon I shall not want. So the that semicolon signifies the fact that you can't with this first one, you can't have this because you have this, you have to have the other basically. So it's like the door. hinge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the door hinge. So with the Lord being my shepherd, I shall not want, like, I'm not supposed, like, I, I can't, how can, how could I want? Because then I'm basically trying to say that I should be directing God. Right. Do you have your logos up? Yeah, I do. I'm looking at it. Do you have your Bible word study? Uh, I mean, I can't pull it up a word. If you click on shepherd, uh-huh. the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In Hebrew, it means to feed, to pastor, to tend, mm-hmm. to protect, to nourish, to shepherd. Yes. All right. So in Ephesians 5, when he's talking about marriage, he said what? That you would nurture and cherish. Right. Nourish, protect. That would be nourish and cherish. Okay. Drive out to pasture to graze or to feed. Yahweh is the one I feed on. Uh, and if I did, I wouldn't want the things of this world. Yeah. Amen. I'm with you. Y- Yahweh is my protector, and I wouldn't want any more protection because. I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't. What is he going to protect me from? Physical death? That's coming. Right. But he's protected me from doing it alone Mm. and it being the end of the story. Ah, amen. What other story is going to give me that assurance? There isn't one. He makes me lie down in a green pasture, green being flush and full 
yeah, to where I can be thankful for what I have, mm-hmm. regardless of what it is. Right. So we live in a nice triplex. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Triplex. And we've got a gated community that's behind us that's beautiful. They got this palm tree. And we walk by it and it's just beautiful. Now we get to enjoy that palm tree the same way they do. Right. But you hear the languages, us and them, that the world creates, and we can be more thankful for our triplex, one-third of our triplex, than somebody that's miserable in their five-room, $3 million house behind that wall because of the fact that God can make you thankful for what you have instead of needing something that will never fill you. Right. He leads me beside the stillness in my heart. Mm Mm-hmm. So when I do have that doubt, and we all do, and when I am unrestful, he's the rock. Right. He's the anchor that holds. He, I mean, all, all those things. He's my stability. He's my promise. His word. He restores my soul. So restoration, by definition, means to return something or someone to its original state. Correct. He is in the process of returning me to the original state that he created me for. Mm-hmm. And he created me in. Mm. And I'm only away for but a vapor. Mm. He's leading me in the path of that righteousness because I'm on my way home. Amen. Which gets back to the one that you quoted out of Hebrews 11. In other words, a earthly city, a, a heavenly city. I'm leaving this earthly revelation. Yeah. But I'm a citizen of a heavenly realm. Right. They're, they're, they, well, I, I love the way that it words it because he says that they long for it. They look, they look on, well, they're looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. That was another part that it, that wasn't exactly what, uh, what we were referencing, but that's, that's another one where it says it as well. All right. And the Bible's a very real book. Yeah. 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 There it is. By that, go ahead. Lot is in that Hall of Fame. Oh, yes, he is. Now, he gets tricked by getting drunk and sleeps with his two daughters. Yeah, both of them. But he's in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Yes, kind of interesting. What made Lot righteous, if you go back and you read it, was while he was in Sodom and Gomorrah, he had a desire for it to be different. And it, well, it, even And also, he wanted to say he was petitioning God to spare those who were also righteous. And he was like, yeah, if you can find it, <laughs> God's like, yeah, if you can find those people and they go through this whole list of how many, and then lot finally figures out that it's not, no one, no one is really like that, that he is being, he's receiving something that he doesn't even deserve. But there was something in his heart that he knew he desired to be different. Exactly. As far as what you drove to out of that last verse, and you look at the heart of Lot, and the only reason he's in Hebrews 11 is as he restores my soul, there should be a desire growing that kids aren't molested and that people don't starve. Well, even 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 within ourselves as the individual, that even though yes. even though we're better than we used to be, there are still things that we could deal with to be better than we were today, you know, than we than we are currently. It's it's the continual growth. Because as we stay, the, the deeper relationship that you have with God, the much deeper uh, disdain and hatred you should have for the sin in your life that separates you and hinders you from walking in the fullness of the relationship you were created for with God. 
And the scariness is like Jordan Peterson talks about the known and the unknown being yes. an island in the ocean. Yep. And the, the island is the known yes. and the chaotic ocean is the amount of unknown. Correct. So, so as he restores the few things that I can praise him that he's changed, yes. it shows me how little has changed because of the majority that hasn't. Mm. So it's mm. not like there's some things in me that are wrong. I know that the majority of me is wrong, yeah. but, but I have hope from the island that the waters are to, are, are to continue to recede. Yes. I mean, he's going to show me more and more of who I am, and the beautiful thing is it's eternally going to be pushed back further and further, and I'm going to get to know who I am more and more, mm-hmm. him and others. You know, I mean, it. the story begins... But light pierces the darkness. Yes. And the darkness comprehended it, it not. I love that. Eventually, the whole room will be light. Yes. It's not just a flashlight beam. It might start that way. But eventually, I'm going to see the whole room and then the whole house. Yes. But I think of the illustration of the light, the light on the hill. So it's something that you see. It's something that you can continue to pursue and work towards. But the closer you get to the light, the more that things will be illuminated, right? So the more that you will find out and be able to see. So therefore, you can't, you won't stumble anymore because you know what lies ahead of you. Now you're not just, you're not just pushing towards it, hoping to make it. It's basically it's the sign of growth. The more that you are like like with Moses, the more time that he spent with God on Mount Sinai, the more he began to change, and the more he began to change, the more that the other people could see the drastic change, like the physical change that Moses was having with his interactions with God on Sinai. Right. So I, one day I'm going to run back into this book because I read my books over and over, mm-hmm. but. I, I don't know which book it is right now. However, the illustration, because my mind works in illustrations. Yeah. Say you had a house that had 32 rooms. That's a big house, dog. Sorry. Hey, our father's, our father's rich. <laughs> we, we, we have a house that has 32 rooms, right? Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah. Sorry. And there's, there's people that are trying to find our house. Mm-hmm. that are wandering in the dark, mm. and we said, we're going to leave a light on for you to see it. Motel 6. Go ahead. Okay. Motel yep. 6. We'll leave the light on for you. All right. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to go a little bit bigger, but yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> Maybe one day we'll get to the Hamptons. But yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. If if salvation is the first room. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I grow into what that means as a son of God, as a husband, as a disciple going. Each room or compartment of who I am that receives light turns a new window on in that house. Yes. If you're from a distance and I've got two lights on, Mm -hmm. you could see it, but it's dim. Right. If I got 16 on, it shines. Right. If I got 32, it's almost like a beacon. Yeah, it's it's. Woo. So so allowing your house to have the light enter all the different areas mm-hmm. is how you make yourself that much more available as you're going to those that are looking 
at you, not to you, because we're looking to God. Right. But they're looking at you as you look to God, and that's the light coming from him to you and then through you to others. That's kind of the you can be like Christ. Yeah. I would I would just stop you right but, there. I would say Colossians right there. That's making the invisible God known. So it's making him visible by by as your house is lighting up more and more and more and all the rooms are coming on, becoming that beacon. That is making the transcendent God visible to those around us. So it become we become the witness, the image the getting back into the image bearers. That's yeah, go ahead. Sorry. The, the light on top of the hill. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. that's the illustration from that book. I I did not I did not I did not write the book. I am not that smart. I just remember that book. And it was about how if as a house of God, you would allow the the, the light of God to enter all the different rooms. Mm-hmm. But think about that now. For real, every one of those rooms for the light to enter into, it hurts. It is, yeah, not fun. Right? I mean, just like earlier you were saying, hey, God's showing me this new thing currently right now that I don't want to say I'm excited about. It kind of sucks. <laughs> yes. That's not a bad word. No, stinks. It, it, it kind of stinks, right? Oh no, it does suck. I can. I mean, I can say it. Sucks. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Then you got to embrace the suck, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's a real thing. All right, but I, I get in trouble with my words sometimes. Yes, you do. That was not a bad word. No, it wasn't. Either way, with that said, <laughs> your hardships are where God changes you, and the more He changes you, the more you'll be able to change others mm. because of your experience and just sharing what God did with you that you didn't deserve. Amen. You get to share grace under grace. Yes, Amen. All right, so provision. He leads me in this. He makes me. He is, and this is all for His namesake. Yep. He is the provider. Now, verse four says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Okay. That's presence. Yes. All right. And there's a semicolon, just like you said. So the rest of this is for him to be present means he's bringing his rod and his staff with him. Yep. But they start to comfort me because I know that he's not beating me to beat me. Yeah. He's beating me for me. He's beating me because it's, it's a God that wants me to be better tomorrow than I am today. Think of your best coach. Yeah. You know, in other words, he didn't do it because he didn't like you. He did it because he saw something special in you. Right. He did it because he saw potential. He saw something in you because how many coaches didn't. Right. That's a good point. But this one does. Mm-hmm. And he's the God that knows everything. And it says, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, which is the valley of deep darkness, I fear no evil. So I could get rid of my fear from my birthday to my death day as I go through the darkest things because he's with me. Right. Well, this is so getting back to the Jordan Peterson thing, though, in a sense, the the relationship with God boils down to if you're going to be in a relationship with God, you have to fall in love with the unknown more than the known because you are going to be constantly being pushed to new new limits inside of trying to accomplish the mission that God has for us all individually. Now to, because what we're going to do, if we fall in love with the known, then we will just stay in the stagnant Island and we will not press on to the spiritual chaos that is around us. But if we go with God in the presence of God, we would have the ability, we'd be given the power to be able to walk on top of the spiritual chaos and fall in love with the unknown as we keep, keep our eyes on Jesus. Yes. No. So 
Yes, I, I agree with that. Okay. I guess what what's what's rattling in my head right now is, by the grace of God, He gives me an island. Yeah. <laughs> yep. In other words, in other, in other words, it's a sea of chaos. Genesis one: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, yep. and the earth was without form and void, and dark waters hovered over it. Right? The, the Holy Spirit hovers over the dark waters. Yep. So all I am is dark waters without the Holy Spirit giving me an island. Yes. All right. So by the grace of the Father's choice, through the work of the Son, the Holy Spirit gives me enough dry land to be me in right relationship with him in the in the kingdom. Yes. All right. Now, from that point, I'm still surrounded by the dark waters of unknown mm-hmm. in every person that I get to be around mm-hmm. how many different unknowns are we talking about i mean this could be muslim this could be catholic this could be any denomination this could be atheist this could be this this could be whatever unknown to the 10th power well, i was gonna say it's unknown I, to the unknown degree <laughs> but the thing i do know is that he's with me and i have my island right so my island is now available to all the dark water, the unknown. Correct. And I should be, I should be learning how to make my land expand in all of those areas, not because it makes them right, but because there's a God that loves them the same way he loves me and he wants me to have a conversation with them. There should be no them that I can't have a conversation with. How how many how many people have said, well, if you don't believe that, you're going to hell? A lot. All right. We're all in hell yes. without him. Yes. So the whole dark waters that the Holy Spirit's hovering over is already separated from him. It's hell. Yes. Out of hell, God has raised me to be in hell. And all I mean by that is this is as far away from God as I'll ever be, but I'm headed home. Yeah, amen. But while I'm here, I become a bulkhead. I become a position of the light. I become a position of the land. And, it, and, and, and I've asked this before. Why wouldn't God just make me okay? Why would God allow me to go through this struggle? Because the struggle is what invites strugglers to have a conversation. Mm, that's good. If I ever get away from being a struggler, then I'm no longer relevant to the people that are around me. And I'm telling you right now, the way we do church has become irrelevant. You want to know why? Because we're not trying to talk to anybody. We're not trying. We're not trying to understand. We're trying to tell them what to do. And so is everything else. Yeah. So I was going to with what you're talking about right there. This is where we can become more like Christ because Christ was, you know, imperfect imperfect presence with with God and with the Holy Spirit but yet he's in, he's entering into conversations with other people who are separated so this is where we become more like Christ that the more that we walk with God the more that we can get into these conversations of struggle because that's what we're supposed to be doing we're supposed to be ministering to those who are lost because now now Christ isn't this thing that's far off it's this it's this thing that we can actually step into and be more Christ like as we continue to meditate on the word and look unto the life that Christ lived because that is the life that we were supposed to live or ought to live even though it's 
unattainable by ourselves, we enter into the rest of Christ so that we can be on mission and confident and bold because the mission has been completed through the perfect work of Christ. Which should, I'll even just say me, which okay. should lead to my assurance. Yes, that, and that's kind of where and, I was driving to. In other words, if I'm not assured, then I do get emotionally torn this way or that way. Or I do say things that might seem funny at the time but could have been said differently because who knows what who needed to hear what I was saying. And then by just a little bit of me, I mess it up. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, we are separating ourselves over things that don't matter when we have the only thing that does matter mm. for them and us. Yeah. And I'm not saying like to get saved again. I'm saying to continue to how did Jesus to the original two that followed him when he turned, he says, why are you following me? What are you looking for? Yeah. His answer was regardless of what they asked, his answer was well, come spend some time with me. Yeah. So the only way that anybody's going to learn who we are and what we believe is by spending time with us. <laughs> right. And the only thing that this world is trying to do is make us so busy and so distracted to where nobody can spend any time with anybody. Yep. That's it. You think it's by design? I mean, you destroy the family. You destroy the ability for parents to spend time with their kids. You destroy the ability for church to actually, I don't know, be somewhere safe for people to go. It, it's, it, it is all the same story. And, and yes, we have to make ourselves disconnect from this world, i.e. what others think as provision to where the presence of God in ourselves in their lives becomes more important than things. Right. The presence becomes the provision that we seek, basically. Good luck with that. And, and, and what, I, what I mean by that is just the other day at work having a conversation, it's all good until you start talking about and then they gave everything away. Yeah. Because it doesn't really matter who I talk to, myself included. I don't. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, it's like uh, just a just a quick example, really fast. Especially in, in like inside of the unknown and trying to um, speak into that for somebody else. There's a there's a guy that I work with, and he came to me and he asked me just really quick. He didn't he didn't he wasn't hating or anything like that, but he was. Um, he asked me. He said, you know, well. I struggle with people who say, you know, God's really good and all that when I lost my six-year-old son to cancer, you know, and I, and I didn't really know what to say. I didn't really know what to say to that or how to minister to that. Cause I've never been through that before. Um, so it was, it was very difficult. And, but there's, there's hundreds of thousands of people that are suffering inside of that. So, and, but I think this is kind of the point unto these are the truth claims. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And I think that that's kind of the thing where we get back to is like, even though it looks, even though it looks bad, we are separated in this world because, you know, suffering and separation is a part of this world, but we are looking unto being reunited with him because he has made a way unto that. And that is what we are looking for, what we're looking forward to, which is, being in the presence of God unhindered and un without any separation or sin anymore, where the tears will be wiped away. Every single tear is going to be wiped away from the believer's face, and that's the thing that you have to be pressing unto. Um, that's the reality that you have to live inside of. 
Otherwise, you are living for a temporal material world that will pass away, that will be destroyed by moth and by rust, and that is not going to be saved and redeemed. It's going to, according to the word of God, be eradicated and a new heaven and a new earth will be established. So you are literally storing up and working for something that will be utterly destroyed and that will not add a, a inch to your life, an inch of gain to your life in the eternal aspect of it. So as you're going, mm -hmm. you'll make disciples yes. washing them in this relationship that I've washed you in. Mm -hmm. uh, your buddy coming up to you at work is the same opportunity and lesson. I mean, opportunity for others and lesson for you mm -hmm. that, um, I was at station five, uh, firefighting. I was at station five, get a phone call. Hey, so-and-so's five-year-old daughter just died. I gave him your number and told him you'd call him. Yeah. So I sit down on my bed at the fire station and I pray, what, what am I, who am I and what am I supposed to say mm -hmm. to somebody that just lost their five-year-old? That somebody else volunteered me to be the mediator. Yeah. Um, and the reason I, I, the only reason I tell the whole story is because then God gave me words while I, I obediently called, not knowing what I could say or what I would say. And when I got on the phone, he gave me words that not only did I not know, mm -hmm. but that I encourage any believer to be ready with. And they weren't mine. In other words, when I called, it was totally in, I don't know what's about to happen. And I'm sure it'll be my fault that I mess it up. Yeah. And I call. Uh -huh. Well, brokenhearted mom, talking to her, same kind of thing. How can God take my five-year-old? And I was like, ma'am, all I can tell you is I don't understand it. Mm. I don't understand the pain. I, I don't. I don't have any advice. That's Eric's advice. There's a God that knows exactly what you're feeling because his son was murdered in front of him. Mm. And God knows, and I don't, I can tell you that he's a God that loves us enough to even when he lost his son, he said that was for us. Mm. I don't, I don't have any way to make the pain go away. And I don't think there is any words that are going to make that okay or the pain to subside, but God does know. He does understand. He's the one that I can tell you does know exactly what you're feeling. Yeah. And he is intimately involved in what you're going through. Mm. So coming to me and making me feel insu insufficient, I, I'm, I'm, hey, I'll be the first one to say you're right. Oh, yeah. However, there is a God that understands that. Oh, yeah. And no matter where the heartbreak goes, he was a heartbroken God. Right. So, I mean, people, people will put their hardest hardship in front of you. And I think that's part of the beauty of the gospel is there's not going to be a hardship that God doesn't understand by the gospel of Jesus. Um, I, I think he didn't murder his son, but he allowed that to happen to where nobody could have an excuse. Right. But I think that's, I think that's the beauty of it. The beauty of it, of that is, is that God being perfect, lacking no need at all whatsoever is entered into relationships with imperfect people 
and he's doing it is is doing it as a way to speak to speak life into us so that we we do not get so beat up and because I, so I, I go back to thinking about do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death so in that in walking through the valley of the shadow of death it's easy to become depressed and to have your face be downcast and all that it's it's easy to do that because i mean it's depressing look at it there's there's death all around me and there's nothing i can truly do about it i'm not bigger than that i'm going to suffer the same fate as well but then you have this beautiful passage beautiful passage of scripture for hope that i will fear no evil for you are with me that your your rod and your staff they comfort me so inside of that it's like it's like, man, yeah, it, it 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 is bad, but also at the same time too, Christ. I, I the words, the Holy Spirit gives me the words, and they come to my mind where where Christ says, "Don't do not fear the world, for I have overcome the world." And so it's all right. But with the rod and the staff, what do you think of with the rod? Uh, a, a rod. See, to me, I always think like the rod and the staff. I think they're like the same, but they're not obviously. There's a hand, so no, they're not. Yeah, I, I know. That's why I said the, the rod. You started with it. It starts with an A. You started to say it. Did I? I don't know. The authority, the authority of God. You did. I well, I I heard it anyway. I I, I might be putting words in your mouth. Not even words, like partial I, words. I, I appreciate. You. I imagine right you knew the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. That's how much I'm for you, brother. Just, so ask me again. I'm ready this time. Okay. Okay. So, what's the what do you think of when you think of his rod and his staff? Okay. So, like the rod, I'm definitely like leaning towards authority. Maybe is that right? I think deja vu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the rod, rod symbolizing authority, and the staff. Um, I don't know. Would that would the, would the, would the staff be the tool until which he uh, moves? The, Both or, are tools. Yeah, the, that would be the tool that he uses to correct. I, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to right, so, figure that out. So who who would who would care in the Old Testament? Just I'm just trying to make it back then. Okay. Okay. Who in the original Testament would carry a rod? A king. A king, and who would carry a staff? A shepherd. Okay, and a, and staff. If you look, if you pulled it up in the Bible Word Study, is support. Ah, okay. All right. So the rod has to do with right and wrong, rod justice, the way we think of it. Okay. And then staff is the support while feeling his authority. Okay. So he is God, right? Right. Well, yeah. And, and that means he has a rod, and that means hell is real, and that there is a judgment, and we all know there's a judgment day. I mean, First John 4, for yep. perfect love, cast out judgment, because that leads to fear. But right. there is one. Yes. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom mm-hmm. and knowledge. So, I mean, not, 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 we, have to, we have to keep both of those equally alive. So his rod and his authority, his truth, and the fact that he can't change who he is— mm-hmm. Is beautiful because he gave us the gospel, a way, a, a door out of it. Right. In, in other words, a door out from underneath his judgment. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm with you. And then his staff is to be leaned on while loving his rod or authority. That's what I was going to say. So the rod is the authority, but the staff is the tool he uses to enforce the authority. Mm-mm. The rod is what he enforces his authority with. That's why the king would have that little hook rod, like in all their pharaoh pictures or pictures of old kings. Okay. They had a rod, which was like a hook, right? Okay. 
But a lot of times the staff was a hook too because you had to pull the sheet back, right? Yeah. So let me ask you this. The rod would be Yahweh and the staff would be Jesus? Okay. All right. That is that easier? Well, well I was trying to I was trying to put them to get like put them together cuz obviously the rod under is establishing something and then the staff does another revealing his authority. Right. It does another thing but it's not doing something against it, it's doing something for it. So yes, I I would I would that makes more sense if we, Yahweh would be the rod and the staff would be Jesus. Both fully the revelation of God. Yes, yeah, the revelation of God without sin or separation and right relationship. And we can find comfort in the fact that God's God, but He sent a way to be supported. Right, and we can, or we can, we're comforted in the fact that He's even willing to enter into a relationship with us. Grace upon grace. Well, right. That, I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting at, though, because that wouldn't that be the no, no, I, I'm, I'm agreeing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm tracking. Yeah. That. No. No. no I, in no way was I saying anything different. I was. I was affirming what you said. But yes, either way, Yahweh is the ultimate authority, and He has sent His staff of something and someone to support us through the weight of who He is. Okay. But here's five and six that are now open for conversation and <laughs> digging into yeah. he is our provider yes he is our shepherd and if we if we believe that we wouldn't want the way that we do correct you know and but we do which means we need more of him that we don't have which is the rod and the staff okay when we realize we don't have what we need we have the gospel and what Jesus has accomplished that we could never do right. in my relationship that comforts me yeah. because I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, which means I was born physically and I'm going to die physically, but I can learn to fear. I can learn not to fear that as I'm going right? because he's with me. Right. Here's the question. Okay. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, semicolon. You anoint my head with oil, semicolon. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I have to flip it. All the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. Okay. So, verse 5. Okay. God has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yeah. He's anointed me with oil, mm-hmm. and my cup overflows. Okay. Where, 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 where are you at with that? What are you thinking when you see that? This is written to a believer. Right. So, so I would look at the, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, that even I would say that even when it looks, even when it looks bad, we can still, we can still be confident whether, regardless of circumstances. Uh, so that's my that would be my stab when, at it. When I say this is written to a believer, mm-hmm. all I mean is this is one that is in right relationship through the finished work of the gospel. Mm-hmm. This is the promise of God to those that are his because mm-hmm. he's with us. I don't have to fear. Right. So there's a table being prepared mm-hmm. in the presence of our enemies. Right. What do you think of as the table? Do you have your logos up? I do. All right, 69. Psalm 69, 22. Okay, hold on. 
Yes. This has not been pre-recorded, and he has no idea where I'm going. <laughs> well, you said 66 what? 69.22, right? Oh, okay. Sorry. I don't think you can ask me, right? I'm asking you. <laughs> and, and I gave you an answer. So yeah. 69, 22. Okay, hold on. But I want, I want the listening audience to know you have no idea what I'm doing. But no, go ahead. You, you, I don't. I, most of the time, I don't, though. Um, oh. Wait. Okay, Psalm 69. I don't know why I keep putting in 66. Okay, Psalm 69. I'm scrolling at this point. And 20 what? Two. Okay, 22. All right, sorry. That's my bad. Sorry, people. Let their let their own table before them become a snare, and when they are at peace, let it become a trap. So read 23 and 24. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and make their loins tremble continually. Pour out your indignation upon them and let your burning anger overtake them. I mean, that sounds pretty much like hell, right? It doesn't sound good. Well, I mean, 25, may there can't be a desolation. Let no one dwell in their tents. Yeah. Pretty, pretty strong language, oh, right? For they persecute him who have, who have struck down. Right, but but, but, but yeah. don't, no, Mick, come on now. Don't go into Psalm 70. All right, look. No, no I wasn't. Right it's here. 26. Go ahead. I know. I know. It's not 26. It's 69. All right. Yeah, 26. Anyway, listen. <laughs> Go ahead. 22, 22 says that let their own table become a snare. Right. That's a trap. Right? Semicolon cannot be. Yes, it's Yes, it's a trap. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever hunted snipe? Uh, no. Okay. Don't ever go. <laughs> it is a bird that exists, but they're not sending you out there to find them. It's a. It, it's to laugh at you because you did it. Okay. And when they are at peace, snipe do exist. Okay. All right. Let their table before them become a snare, and when they are at peace, let it become a trap. Now, do you remember, Jeremiah, what the prophets and priests of the day were saying? Yes, they were saying that everything, everything's good. Everything's going to be fine. And Jeremiah's like, no, it's not. Peace and security. Peace and security. Peace and security. No, 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 which is exactly what you were saying. Yes, yeah. the, the prophets of that day were saying peace and security. And this is saying every one of us has a table set before us. Yes. It's called your life. Yes. And in your life, you can hear peace and security, peace and security, or how Matt Chandler did the Revelation series where he was like, shh, everything's okay. Shh. <laughs> right. Just, shh. Yeah. It's all okay. Jesus is going to come back one day just for you. He just loves you. Just you. Yeah, just just you. Yeah. Jesus loves you. Mm. Um, instead of you're in a place of death and murder and disease and separation, and you should be trying to make a difference. Mm. Shh, peace and security. Shh, peace and security. So your 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 table is either a snare unto comfort and mm. ineffectiveness, mm -hmm. or your table is set for you to make a difference, impact, have meaning and purpose. Hmm. Interesting. So if you don't want to actually see the truth, then your eyes are going to continue to be darkened, mm -hmm. and you're always going to have a fear to where your loins tremble continually, mm -hmm. you won't know what to do with it because his indignation is going to be upon you and his anger, judgment is still boiling in the back. And these are the people who are like, you should preach more hell. Yeah. 
why you we're probably all going without i don't know grace and truth not that there's not a hell and not that we shouldn't present it yeah but maybe maybe there's a three-year-old within a three-mile radius that's experiencing hell right now yeah how how do we make a difference in the lives that we can make a difference without being overwhelmed with all the things we can't do because that's the other side of the coin, right? I mean, in other words, if you set out in your own power to make a big difference and you can't make a difference, then you you end up condemning yourself even though you're trying to do the right thing. Yeah. That's not where I'm going. That's, that's a rabbit. We're not going to chase that rabbit okay. here. There's a table that's set before them that can become a snare, right? Right. And it's because that table is preaching peace and security, but that's going to become a trap to those whose eyes are darkened. Okay. And his ignit his indignation indignation help me with that indignation indignation indig indig i n d i d indignation yep there you go it's almost like dog nation indignation right yeah put out your indignation see I got it now indignation because his burning anger is going to overtake them right right. All right, so with that said, remember that, and then go over to 1 Corinthians 10, uh, and I know that it's, oh, come on, man, just so click away, 1 Corinthians 10, and it's not, it's not later. 1 Corinthians 10. It's going to be, it's going to be 10, 19 through 21. Okay. And he's saying, hey, consider people of Israel. Are you not those that uh, do those that eat sacrifices? Do they not participate in the altar that they sacrifice it to? And then 19 says, what do I imply then, question mark, Mm -hmm. that food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is actually anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. Mm -hmm. I do not want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of the demons. You better understand your Old Testament, folks, because what he's saying right there is you cannot partake of the gospel and try and find your comfort and your value in this world. Mm. You cannot partake of my story and continue to live in yours. Mm. That's good right there. I mean, so we've tied Psalms 23 to Psalm 69 to 1 Corinthians. I'm telling you guys, if you'll spend some time with your scripture and let God speak to you the same way. I, I didn't make this up. This is stuff that God led me through at different times in my life, but... If you read First Corinthians, what's happening here is they had rich people that had all the food in the world, and they would have this big party, but they weren't sharing any with their poor brothers and sisters, mm. and they made them feel less. Right. And Paul's saying, if you could do that to those that you say are your brothers and sisters, how far away from understanding what's going on are you? Right. Well, I mean, I think that wouldn't that go back to the Matthew passage where Jesus is talking about you being, you know, evil, knowing how to good give good gifts, right? It 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 goes back to Paul getting on to Barnabas. Well, was it Barnabas that sat at the table when the Jews came to town? I think it was Peter. Paul it was getting Peter. on to Peter. 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 Peter went back. Yeah, exactly. Peter went back to sitting with the Jews, and Paul's like. 
you can't do this. <laughs> yeah, don't be doing that. <laughs> Ain't you supposed but, to know? I mean, it was cool when you didn't know. Yeah, that's not cool now. But now that you know, you can't do it anymore. Yeah, man. You're doing both. You can't do both. It's the same story. You cannot sit at the table of the Lord, and you can't and sit at the table of demons. Right, because at, at, at that point, you're you're provoking the Lord to jealousy, and that's what that's what Paul is basically saying here. He's like, can't do that's, that. That's verse 22. Yeah, yeah well, I'm, I was just saying. Uh, <clears throat> well, I mean, in the next verse, is all things are lawful, and he's like, but but do they help you? Right. I mean, it's fine if you're going to say, hey, I don't have to do that. I don't have to tithe. Right. Well, was tithing the problem? Because tithing was just trying to get you to where you could give away 10% and not be bound to somebody holding you under interest. Right. You know, in other words, you weren't you weren't living so much for yourself that you had to go in debt to enjoy your life. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, there is something wrong with we tithe here and you better tell us how much money you make so that we can make sure you pay us. Yeah, that's a little far. Well, there's churches that are doing it, and the bottom line is the heart of it. it it's not about the doing; it's about the why. Right, right, right. I think. Well, to me, the and I don't know if it's correct or not, but the tithing part of it was so you so you're not falling in love with things that you're you're not getting into this I thing again. You're not falling back into that. Well, I need the money, and I da da da. You're giving into like a I'm giving away because that's kind of the whole point, which is you know the summing summing up of the law is, you know, love God with all your mind, heart, and, and strength, and, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, to do that, you have to be continually giving things away and not just hoarding them up for yourself and for your own self-preservation, because Christ continually says over and over and over again that it, us losing our life for the benefit of, of loving God and loving others is truly what we were called to do, because I don't know, that's what Jesus came and did. It's the door that Jesus opened yes. that only he could open. And then Paul is the one that sent to the Gentiles, i.e. those that are on the outside. And Paul says, if you don't want to give it, keep it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, he says, if you're not going to give it with a generous heart, it was never about you have to do it. It's you should want to do it because you love others like you love yourself. So if you've got a struggling single mom with five kids that comes in and you're like, you better tithe. How much do you make? Um, It should really make the person that's got 80 head of cattle and 20 acres that they don't even care about want to tithe for the single mom because she can't. Right. To take some of her pain and expectation away because they care enough about her and her family to where the abundance and overflow of what God's given them that they don't even use Mm -hmm. to make it something that's about us and we and not the I and the me. Yeah. And everybody's story is different than that. So it's not like a cookie cutter, you're right, I'm wrong, whatever. I'm just saying if God lays it on your heart and you know you're supposed to do it, that's between you and God. And if you don't listen, it's still between you and God. Oh, absolutely. Amen. All right. So let's let's drive back to Psalm 23 because we are not all the way through this. We're still in, we're still in verse 5. All right. Um, and and, and when we get to Psalm 23, there's a table that's going to be prepared before us in the presence of our enemies. Right. That's your life. Okay. Now, in your life, your enemies are watching, but he's ana- he's anointed your head with oil. What does that mean? Uh, anointing is anoint my head with oil. 
anoint isn't anointing walking in like the the purpose that God has created you for? Well, I can click on anoint in the Hebrew it means to become fat or refresh. Right. Well, I mean, but I think I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to do it without that so I can actually think it through. Um, okay. But you anoint. So he's going to make your your he's going to make your head fat and refreshed because of the oil. Now, what does oil represent all the way through Scripture? Oh man, uh, I don't know. The Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. I'm all right. Gonna, so I'm gonna write, that, write that down. Everybody, write that down. Your your, your mind is now grown fat because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Huh. Fire and oil are are synonyms, for, you know, for for the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. Yeah, well, I also thought fire could mean judgment. It can, okay. but the only way you're going to get through judgment is the, with the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, because He purifies. Okay, all right. So I don't want to chase the rabbit. No. Right, let's, let's keep going. <clears throat> okay, all right. But either way, yeah, yeah, the life that you're living is a table prepared before all the enemies. Right. If, if if you have a Facebook account, I promise you, you got more haters looking than lovers. <laughs> You're not wrong. Okay? You're not wrong. All right? I'm not wrong. But the difference is your mind has now grown fat with this presence of God to where your cup overflows, and you're actually thankful and satisfied, and hopefully your Facebook page looks that way. Right. Full of thankfulness, full of not being totally different than others, but not being totally sucked into being full of negativity. Right, right. And the reason that's important is because of verse six. Right. Because verse five is verse five is a truth claim. Verse five is exactly where we're at. You're living a story that God has set in front of you. Now he has filled you with his Holy Spirit to where you understand it. And because of that, your cup starts to overflow. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Right. Right? That's not what goes in. All right. So now, person defiles and what comes out. All right. So Mark 7, I believe, is what that is. But now that that's true, verse 6, and I... I kind of hope that Mick hasn't done his research. Go ahead, Mick. Read verse 6 for us. <laughs> so surely goodness. Yes, I am hoping that I get to catch you. Yes. So surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right. So I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever reminds me of Psalms 27, 4. Right. And that's, you know. Ask, knock, seek. It's the Matthew prayer. But it says, so that I can inquire and behold, so I can talk and I can see the beauty of God everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to dwell in his presence, is to see and hear God in your life as you're going. Mm, interesting. You know, so, hey, when we're blessed, that's what we're seeing. And when we're not cursed, but when we're experiencing our curse, it's when we're not looking at that, right? I mean, right. it's when we get down trodden and we get we get distracted but we're distracted from what who he is and what he's already done right. his assurance well, we're, we, we, but we, if we'll, we turn the focus inward instead of outward looking unto what god has done amen and that's the distraction surely surely goodness and mercy yeah well it, or, follow or, i thought it was interesting it says there's beside the surely it says it could also be substituted for only so only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life which kind of makes all right it, so makes it read it differently i'm just saying all right i'm gonna make you read it differently i know you are and mick hasn't done his homework no, no i haven't but 
I love him, and I only, I, I'm excited that you didn't. So I'm, I, I'm eating your lunch, but I'm going to share it. I'm going to share some lunch with you. I'm not going to eat all your lunch. You know, like five loaves, two fish. Yeah, I'll yeah. eat a fish. You eat a fish. Yeah, you can have three loaves. I'll only eat two. You know, we're doing it together. Well, it depends on if you're bulking so, or you're cutting, so you must be cutting. Go ahead. No, it's out of love. I know, but all I get right. more bread. I'm excited about it. Yay. Shall <laughs> follow me. Yep. It's one word. Yes. Do you have your Bible study? Uh, uh huh. Click on "Shall Follow Me." Okay. And you got V Dag, right? Yeah, I have V Dag. Pursue, chase, right, so, pursue, chase, or persecute would be the is what I get okay. for "shall." All right, so you know, that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Surely, goodness and mercy mm-hmm. shall persecute you. Yeah, think about that. God made me think about that. That's interesting. See, because everybody loves to pursue or chase. Oh, surely his goodness and mercy, they they chase me. Yeah. But it persecute? persecute? Yeah, that's not. Those... Per- persecute's a different word. Yes, it is. All right, so surely the goodness and the mercy of God's going to persecute me. That's doubt. Really? You know, think about it. Earlier we were talking about how doubt James warns us about being double-minded. However, you're never going to get away from being totally double-minded until the finished consummation of all things, because the goodness and the mercy of God is going to persecute me about all the things that I could be that I'm not, because he wants me to be better tomorrow than I am today. That has to come through his goodness and his mercy persecuting me. There has to be a point where he's like, and you're not. Dang. Because if we don't have, we're not, what are we going to get puffed into? Our pride. Right, yeah. But he's the one that pursues us. He's the one that's chasing us. But when he catches us, he's got some persecution with him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, how not to get beat down by the cops. Don't run. Because <laughs> when they catch you, they're going to beat you down. Because you made them run. Because you were running. Right. So the same premise, you know, justice. If you run from God, when he catches you, there's going to be a little beating. <laughs> he, I mean, he's not he's, he's, he's not going to kill you. It, it'll all make sense one day, but he's he's going to uh, bring one with him. No, yeah. It's a little Sean Connery. Just give you a little schmuck. Okay. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really that's really good so surely persecute man i I'll, I'll never forget i was in the church office and i, and I was I, I pulled that up and i saw pursue follow after that's in the middle of the ring yeah. and then i'm like but persecute that's and like look look at the gi lock i don't know if you have that two down it's like to follow after and then all of a sudden it's to persecute to go after a fight and i'm like dang it i don't want to fight god but if I don't want to fight God and I'm running, that means he's bringing a fight to me, right? Yeah. Israel was so, born off of a, a wrestling, a fighting with God. Yeah, so I, I see. I don't know which one. Is the Anne Lex Hebrew or whatever? Do you have that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it says right there, uh, pursue, follow after, to follow in or as if in pursuit. To cause to suffer. Yeah, to cause to suffer, whether physically or emotionally. That's interesting. That's really interesting. You're not going to know his mercy and his goodness without some type of physical yeah. and mental structure. I mean, it, how else are you going to do it? If you're wrong and somebody has to prove you right, you're going to have to go through something. 
Right. Well, it's almost like um, in inside of like playing any kind of game. You play the game, and you play. Eventually, you get you you face an opponent who has dedicated the time to being better than he used to be, which means learning from the mistakes that he has made. Well, what's the only way to beat that person? To work harder than that person. You need to put in the work to actually be better than that. Be better than that person. So. I guess in a sense, going back to your restoration through daily repentance, going going back through that, you have to be aware of your failure, failures so you know what you need to be growing in, you know, how to prepare yourself to be to be better for God to lead you into the next thing for him, you know, to for those things to follow after you, you have to be aware of the shortcoming. Otherwise, you're just going to you will be stagnant. You'd be like, I don't know. I keep working, but I'm not getting any better. But of course, if God and wants that, you to grow and be better, He's going to point out to you the very thing that you need to grow in. <clears throat> and that's for your relationship one on one with God. Right, 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 right. But then when that becomes true, mm-hmm. for the first time you can love yourself, you can return to your first love. And I got I I've got to I've got to figure out what all that means. But what I can say is this. Let's go back up to four and five. Well, let's go back up to four. Yeah, four and five. And I'm going to read it in the ghetto preacher style. All right. So it's it's right here. But <laughs> even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which means my life, I don't have to fear being broken because he's with me. Mm. Even though he is absolutely pure authority and sovereign, I have the staff of his grace and truth through the person of Jesus Christ. And they together comfort me. Mm. He prepares my life, which looks like a table before me in the presence of my enemies as they watch. He's given me the Holy Spirit and my cup overflows. But what that ends up looking like is he chases me and I mess up all the time. Mm. All the days of my life are a mixture of my failures and his beautiful grace and success. Because one day I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Now that's something worth preaching over a casket. Yes, absolutely. I would say so. He is our provider. He is my protector. He knows exactly where I'm at. And at the end of the day, I shouldn't I shouldn't be comfortable with failing. Right. But I have to be comfortable with who I am or else I don't really trust him. Right. So it does but matter what I, I do because the more – go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I guess that the way that I would kind of look at it now is like I'm not afraid to fail because it just drives me back to the place that I want to be going anyway, which is back back unto God. They don't the, – my failures my failures don't push me away from God. They make me press into him more because it's, it's just – it is nothing more of the manifestation of how much more I actually need him. So I know I've said this before. The more that you know, the more you know you don't know anything. Oh, 100%. <laughs> All right, so so the more that you read, there's like this other four books that I need to read because those four books tell me about another four books that I need to read. Yeah, biblical critical so theories got me with that right now. <laughs> you, your failure is just a failure that you have the ability to hear and see right now. Yeah. But you couldn't see the failure you're seeing right now without him pursuing and persecuting you over the last 10 years of relationship because that's not where you started. And then you talk to somebody just starting out, and, and it's and it's hard because you can't – they have to do their due diligence. Now, 
all that should remind us of is we got to continue to do our due diligence because all the failure that we won't look at right now is still lying in wait for us. Mm. But our failure is what we sacrifice, offer Mm -hmm. to God Mm -hmm. without it making our face fall or get angry. Right. Because anger and depression is really just not wanting to enter into. Mm. You know, you're defending yourself from where you're supposed to go, and you're not willing to go there. It's resistance and rebellion. Yeah. So wouldn't I bless you if you would stop resisting? Well, yeah, but I don't want to. Yeah, but if you would. Well, yeah, Sherlock. Yeah, yeah, but if if you would come... If you would come like a child, like it, ma- it makes me think of Maverick. Maverick, <laughs> Maverick goes to Hannah and he's like, "I want this," and it's like, "No," and it's so interesting that he's mad, but uh, he's mad because the answer was no, but also at the same time too, that's who he looks unto for comfort. So it's like yeah. you're the source of my frustration, but you're also the source of my comfort. <laughs> so it's so interesting, and I, I just keep thinking about it over and over and over again. And I was like, "That's how, that's how our relationship with God is, or should be," is what I, that's, that's what I really should say because a lot of the times or sometimes for me personally it has pushed me turned me away from god and i know that's me that's not god that that's me um which is really interesting so really it's almost like i know that i know i should be looking at it as i know the answer is no but i also need you to comfort me and reassure me that as i'm going that it's for it's for me and it's not against me that's deep, right? Man. And right, it is deep. I don't know. I'm kicking. And, I'm and kicking Hannah, it around, so I'm kind of. You kind of got me on that one. So sorry. <laughs> Hannah's only ten years older than Maverick. <laughs> yeah. And, and and God is eternally all knowing, all sufficient. So the way that Maverick looks to Hannah is laughable compared to how Maverick could look to God. Oh, yeah. But you and Hannah have been given to Maverick as a door, mm-hmm. an example. Mm-hmm. But just imagine all the layers we're talking about compared to a 40-year, 80-year life, 120-year mm. life. Let's just say you live to be 120. You won't you won't enjoy it, but let's just say 120 years. Right. Compared to an eternal God. Yeah, what is that? That that knows all things and loves you in a way that we can't even comprehend. Right. But it's going to hurt. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not easy, but it's worth it. Like you said earlier. Yep. All right. So I thought that was, that was really good. And that was really deep. So I'm going to, I'm just going to stop it right there. I feel like we should, I'm going to ask you the question we always ask, we try to end with. So what are we hoping and praying that people will take away from this conversation? that the assurance of having his presence in your life should be enough. Mm. It would, it would fill every one of your provisions Mm -hmm. and it may even make you get rid of some. Mm. That's good. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I'm over here. Just, (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to be kicking this around for a hot minute. That was really good, and it requires requires uh, much more attention, I believe, which I will be getting into. But I, I, I think that the thing that I would be looking for, that I would say my prayer is, is that however it, however it's made known, however God makes it known to us in our lives, I pray that we continue to look forward 
and look unto his presence being the provision because his presence will bring everything that we didn't expect in the most beautiful way that it's almost like if we expect it, we will rob ourselves of a deeper level of praise and thanksgiving and gratitude towards our father in heaven. And just think of how that would make you feel as a father. If Maverick was to treat you like that, right? Like, Oh, this is all we get to eat tonight. (laughs) Or, Oh, Oh, a Honda sedan. That's what I have to ride in. A Honda sedan. That's the best you got. Really? This is, this is it, right? This is this is what you're going to do for me, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, God gave us the the God gave us illustrations, and the most pure illustration for father to child is our children. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, He's given us way more than we've ever deserved. Absolutely. And that's literally His presence, and it came at the cost to make it just Mm -hmm. to where his son had to die Mm. to where no one has an excuse. You don't get to say he doesn't understand. He understands your pain. You don't get to say he doesn't understand what you need. He, he owns everything and he could give you everything, but you're not, you're not ready for everything. I'm not ready for everything. It would consume me. And separate me, so God can't give it to me. Right. But it's my lack, not His. He has none. Mm. Amen to that. That gets back to His rod and His staff. I mean, He He is the only thing that has no potential. He's perfect in every way. But He sent His staff, Jesus, because I'm not in any way without Him. Right. But I get to be more like Him. Mm-hmm. It's the best story on earth. Amen. 100%. All right. Well, with that, we thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We hope that you have taken away some information that will help you and challenge you uh, in what you believe for the benefit of growing in our walk with God. If you would like to support this ministry, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash faith fleshed out. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, Instagram and Twitter at Faith Fleshed Out. If you have any questions or comments or want to get involved, you can contact us at our email at faithfleshedout at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for joining us, and we love all of y'all very much. Say bye, Eric. Bye, Eric. See y'all next time.